everyone and welcome to another episode of Hymnology, a show about psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and everything in between. My name is Sawyer. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about hymns in a contemporary setting. That may be something that sounds odd to you, it may kind of sound uh, like an oxymoron, kind of ironic, but all across churches we have the need for hymns, even those congregations that are in a more contemporary context. So what does that look like? How does that happen? Well, my guest today is Nathan Drake. Nathan is the founder of Reawaken Hymns, uh, which is a YouTube channel, but also a resource that takes hymns and puts them into an easier, uh, more suitable context for churches today to use. So in my interview, we talked about Reawakened Hymns, of course. We talked about his other channel, Minus Studios. But we also spoke about why hymns need to be in a contemporary church setting um, and also how they can be oh, to where everyone can sing them stylistically, but also just where they learn and know these hymns. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Nathan from Reawakened Hymns. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Hymnology. Today, I have with me my guest, Nathan Drake. So thank you so much, Nathan, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Nathan, um, we brought you on for a specific reason, and that is because today our topic is is hymns in a contemporary uh, context. But before we really kind of get there, um, would you mind just kind of telling everybody about yourself and who you are? Sure. I'm Nathan Drake. As you already said, I am not a globetrotting pirate who has a hit video game series, as many people think. <laughs> I don't know if you're a video game. Per- Are you a video game person? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, apparently. Well, I'm not either, but apparently okay. there's now like the most popular one ever is the main character's name is Nathan Drake. Okay. So. All right. Hey. It's super annoying for Google. Cloud, I'll tell you that get, maybe you can come around there eventually. <laughs> Every time I check out at a store, they're like, Nathan, Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake? I'm like, yes. Okay. Oh, I got it. <laughs> that is. <me. laughs> okay. So I'm Nathan Drake. I'm not that one. I'm the other gotcha. one. So I, I'm a worship leader in St. Louis, Missouri, right in the middle of the country. And uh, I also do Reawaken Hymns, which is probably why I'm here. Um, and that's a online resource that helps churches use classic hymns in a modern way, but even more specifically in a kind of unchanged modern way like there's lots of great hymn resources out there of rewritten hymns or hymns with a chorus added and all that but there's not a lot of great like very modern but still the exact same resources so that's what i'm going for okay all right and so you said you're a worship pastor in st louis that's correct okay well Um, i was at one point in my life (laughs) okay i got you i got you all right well um so like you said we are on here to talk about um, new hymns and uh, yes, the reason why you're here is because of reawaken hymns. Um, but kind of, but you, so your your platform it kind of started off as as a YouTube channel, right? Uh, yeah, it very much started as a YouTube channel. Okay, so and, and you have two, right? You have reawaken hymns, and then I know I, I, I subscribe to Minus Studios. Is that right? Yep, I have two channels. So reawaken hymns was the first. That's the thing I just talked about. Yeah. And Minus Studio was just I would. Since Reawaken Hymns kind of started reaching a lot of small churches that didn't have a lot of tech resources, and they 
from the fact that I had a website and videos, they knew that I knew something about tech. They would ask me lots of questions about it. I was like, I'll just make videos about these. So I started making videos about small church tech, and that's where that other yeah. channel came from. Yeah, and I'll do a quick plug for, for Minus Studios. It definitely helps. Um, it's helped me over the past. And then also, if you're like a youth pastor and you want to do worship, I, I, that's the context I was in. I found that to be pretty helpful, you know, kind of as a, a smaller church context. It, it definitely was, was helpful. So Minus Studios is also another um, channel that Nathan has. So can you kind of talk about reawaken hymns for a second? Um, if sure. you can on, I, can yeah. I throw out a Minus Studio thing real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So uh, Minus Studio is kind of changing this year. Okay. Uh, me and the guys who wrote had these hymn devotionals for reawaken hymns, which I can talk about later. Yeah. Anyways, every once a month now, Minus Studio is going to have like a live stream roundtable where we're going to sit down and talk about all the different tech things in church. So if anyone listening is a worship leader in a small church, like yeah. come join us and talk to us. Cause it's not just us talking. Like we want to hear everybody's opinion. Like yeah. this month we're going to talk about live streaming and we want to hear how everybody does live streaming and if it's okay and if it's good or bad and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's what's going on at my studio right now. Okay. Sorry okay. about that. Cool. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with reawaken hymns, kind of, how did that, how did that start? Um, you know, I know you've got a few guys you work with now, but kind of in the beginning, where did that, where did that come from? Yeah, so, I mean, it was just, I was leading worship at my church, and I I wanted to play some hymns, and I wanted to play them in the way that the people there knew them already, the older people and specifically. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't, at that time, there it's kind of grown more, but at that time, there wasn't a lot of resources I could find for right. how to play the hymns modern, but not changed, like the melody not changed and stuff, which is fine, I have no problem with, but... Yeah. I wanted to play the hymns so that these people who knew them could sing along because they didn't know a lot of the modern worship music, but they knew the hymns. But if I play a hymn that the melodies change, then that kind of defeats the purpose in that situation. So that's what it started from. I started making these arrangements myself for my own church as all worship leader stories start. And then I put them online because I was like, hey, I bet other people need the same thing. So that's how it started. Okay, so started in your own church, and you kind of saw the need that there were, there, like I said, there were most hymns that were being sang, if they were being sang in a contemporary style, the melody was completely different. And, and, that's, and that's kind of the experience that I've had. And, and, and one thing I've found is that a lot of people don't like that, even if you're trying to sing those truths. You know, you change, you change the melody of it, and people get angry. That was a, that was a nice way to say that. Yeah, I've, 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 learned, I've learned how to be nice. But um, so with the exception of this, and I've brought the song up before, and hear your thoughts about this, is the song um, Cornerstone by Hillsong has always been kind of an anomaly because it is um, Christ the solid rock, I stand. You know, the, the words are, but the melody is is completely different, you know, with the, with the exception of the um, – with the chorus being brought in. So I always find that one to be strange. It's, it, we're, we're usually good with changing the melody, with, with keeping it the same until we get to certain songs. But so reawaken. So we kind of had this idea, I said, said a second ago, with the melodies being different, wanting to be the same. How did you go about arranging these for your church? Sure. Uh, I got. I have to. I can't just skip past it with the cornerstone comment. I gotta go there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I love cornerstone. I think it's yeah. a great song, and I think it's one of those few where they just made it a completely new song where people. One, it's not that well known of him to start for a lot of people, yeah. but it's just 
Like most people in our generation, if we sang those words, they would be like, oh, Cornerstone, a Hillsong. Like, yeah. you know, because, yeah. and I love it. It's a great song. And they completely changed it. They made a new song, which I think right. is great. Right. They didn't attempt to change the hymn. They were just like, these are good words. Let's put it in a different song. Right. Um, a couple other ones I really like are like Jesus Paid It All by Christian Stanville. Yeah. He didn't yeah. change anything except that bridge, which is yeah. awesome. Right. Love the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, and then there's like Indelible Grace, who is really good at like, yeah. making the hymns different um like abide with me the original hymn is a bit ridiculous to be honest yeah so their version is astonishingly good so like there's definitely room for that and there's really good versions of those and stuff it's just there's also like a lot of really bad <laughs> versions of those too but yeah so the same thought you know sometimes a new melody is great um but yeah. sometimes we do want to keep consistency for the sake of, of congregation and that's yeah. kind of where where you are now as a worship leader and someone who is more of a baritone um i do know one thing that you do to your songs um whenever you rearrange them so talk about like keys and kind of how you handle um kind of how you handle that oh boy yeah keys <sighs> um <laughs> so it's interesting i i have so many thoughts they're all running to my first of all <laughs> Let me just dispel the myth that hymns are easier to sing than modern worship songs. Yeah. So on my new album that I'm recording, a couple uh, of the songs are ridiculous. Yeah. Specifically, I'm thinking of There's a Fountain. Yeah. Like I was looking at like you in Logic Pro, you can like see your vocals as notes. It like yeah. figures it out for you. And it was like just an octave in like a measure. And then back down, I'm like, who wrote this? What in the world? Yeah. And then and then Come You Sinners is even worse. It's like yeah. I think it was an octave and a half in one measure, like with eight notes and one, it was yeah. ridiculous anyways. Yeah. So yeah. So for keys, um, as far as like when I do them on reawaken hymns, uh, I will say I just kind of do them in my vocal range just cause I kind of have to. And that's yeah. kind of more helpful when I'm singing in churches. However, it's completely different. So when I'm leading worship, um, I have somehow ended up being like the, like designated interim worship of Saint interim worship leader of St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know how it happens, but I ended up leading worship in a lot of <laughs> churches. So I get to see a lot of congregations and I've noticed that there's no good key. Like, so for instance, right now I lead worship at two different places very regularly Okay. and I will play the same songs and I have them in different keys for the different congregations. And one congregation is almost like all the time, three to four half steps lower at yeah. least than the other congregation. There are also big age differences. So when you're like choosing keys for your church, I try not to listen to like the, oh, this should be in this key or this should be in that key. Like yeah. you got to learn your church. That's the only thing you can do because churches have different keys. Yeah. And I would also strongly suggest this is, it's kind of popular to like put it in the key that your voice is the most powerful in. Yeah. And I do see some benefits to that as far as energy and stuff, but try to balance it because you also you're leading worship you're not performing so you want your congregation to be able to sing yeah and you know one thing that always comes to mind talking about keys is i remember listening to a discussion by the the group of the guys over at city of light um listening to them and and when they write their their hymns their songs they they only write them between like the key of of a and b like they don't do anything other than that because apparently you know you everybody can sing at least in unison in their octave, you know, so 
it, that's one thought, but then also just completely lowering the song helps helps a whole lot too. Um, you know, and, and I don't like I said, I don't know if maybe, I feel like a lot of times him start off high. They instead of beginning low, they they're already up here, and there's really no room to to go, and or you're out of breath by the time you get halfway through. Yeah, um, they are, and it, I mean a big part of that is because hymns are written in the four part harmony, and yeah. the melody is always the soprano, yeah. which is ridiculously high so in general if you're leading modern worship the key that's in the hymnal is a high key like you can probably go down from there pretty safely yeah if you're going up you're going (laughs) you know yeah so if anybody's on if anybody's on any reawakened hymns uh (laughs) tutorial try to follow along and you're playing in the key of g uh, you're probably not playing in the key of g you're more than likely (laughs) correct usually tuned down don't you on on most things that you do I do tune down a lot. My my in general, my keys I end up in are E, F, and G. Yeah, which is exactly the opposite of what City Light said to do. Yeah, and but you know, <laughs> but, but to say that you've got people like the Gettys and you've got people like Matt Boswell, Matt Papa, who they're D to to F sharp. You know, so it I, I don't know I don't know exactly what the ballpark, but I guess just whatever is best for your congregation, like you said. Yeah, I also lead worship at. A grade school because my wife's a teacher and okay. if you're curious children's keys is like e f maybe g maybe right. d like yeah. the complete opposite of adults or yeah. adult males at least yeah so yeah it's just tough it's tough there's no good answer like it is it is but the consensus is hymns are higher than most people want to sing and so lower yes. now even just a tad definitely helps yeah yeah um okay so we have the youtube channel but you also have you have a, a, a kind of a big project going on you have you released um, the first part of it last year, uh, Hymns of the Father. Um, can you kind of talk about that for a minute? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing the Trinity Project. Yeah. Um, it's three parts. I bet you can guess what the three parts are. <laughs> Hopefully you can guess what the three parts yeah. are. So we just released Hymns of the Father in September. Um, it's 20 songs and it's an album and it's also a matching devotional or I should say it's devotional and a matching album. Yeah. And then along with that is all kinds of worship resources. But there's two guys, uh, Cameron Frank and Preston Norman, who have a little publishing company in Oklahoma that I got together with, and we're doing uh, it together. So they're writing the devotionals, recording the audiobook, and I do the music. And then the audiobook's cool because it's both. It's the they yeah. read the thing, and then you hear the music. Um, but it's it's been great because we're going – it's so 20 hymns each, three parts, so 60 hymns total which is a lot of hymns and i'm doing them so what i put out before is very acoustic driven and that serves a lot of people and i'm very happy with that and i also have a lot of people who are like i love this stuff is there like a band version and i'm like not yet but i'll make one so that's what i'm doing with these is these are more like full band very kind of like hillsongy style like they they kind of just modern worship feel to them so that's what i'm going for i'm trying to take the Hymns as they are, not change the melody, not change the words, but make them kind of fit in a modern service so that if you're going from a Hillsong song to a hymn that people won't really know is what I'm going for. As far as the Trinity part of it, um, we're doing the three parts and the devotionals very much go into that whole Trinity aspect of it. And even those are divided into separate um, topics of different aspects of God the Father, different aspects of God the Son. But we split up the hymns. So when we came out with all 20 hymns are very... You know, father-oriented, obviously, and the one coming yeah. out is the son, um, and conveniently coming out during Lent, which is great. 
yeah, that's good. This one, this one, this one ended up. The next one, the hymns of the sun, ended up with a lot of like my personal favorite hymns because they ended up being the Jesus-oriented hymns, which yeah. tend to be my favorite. Yeah. So I'm super excited about it. And then obviously, hymns of the spirit comes out in October. Okay. Yeah, and and one thing I've noticed, so I had about an hour, a little over an hour drive um, to our church back here for a good while, about four or five months, and um, the album came out kind of right about that time, so I was able to spend a good bit of time with a lot of those songs, and and one thing I will say is they they are very easy to, to sing along with, despite the fact that, yes, they do sound more contemporary, there is more of a band, you can still sing along with them, like, you know, some older members and their congregation could sing. So um, I've enjoyed it. And and so you, you do have hymns of um hymns of the hymns of the sun, that we said is that what it's called? Yep. Yep. Okay, so that's coming out soon. The promise of scripture is that our searching will never be in vain. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Hymns of the Father is not just a hymn devotional, and it's not just a new hymn album. It's a new way for you to experience your favorite hymns. And not just experience your favorite hymns, but to bring those hymns back into your church. The core of Hymns of the Father is a one-month devotional journey and 20 brand new hymn arrangements made for the modern church. But to make this experience even more impactful, we have combined these two into a one-of-a-kind musical audiobook where you can listen to the devotional content and hear the hymn all together. And if you're a church leader, the Hymns of the Father arrangements were made to help you reintroduce these amazing hymns in your modern worship services. All of the songs on Hymns of the Father sound right at place alongside any modern worship song. And all the resources you need, such as chord charts, multi-tracks, lyric videos, will be available to help you make these hymns an important part of your church's worship culture. Last year, I was introduced to Cameron and Preston, the two authors who started a Frank Voice Publishing. They were working on an audiobook for their Christmas hymn devotional, The Soul Felt Its Worth. Now, I had already been creating modern arrangements of hymns on Reawaken Hymns for five years, so it just seemed like a perfect fit. After we finished The Soul Felt Its Worth, we realized we all had a passion for seeing people and churches re-engage with these incredible songs. We saw people learning about the gospel and the character of God through these hymns. We decided that's exactly what we needed to do next. Explore the whole character of God through hymns. That's why we created the Trinity Project. Three devotional books and three albums containing 60 brand new arrangements and devotions of our and your favorite hymns. Each part will explore an aspect of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit through the lens of classic hymns. In fact, once completed, this series will be one of the most comprehensive hymn resources available for modern churches. The project you're looking at now, Hymns of the Father, is the first of that series. Our goal is to inspire individuals and churches to engage the fullness of God in worship and personal devotions. Hymns of the Father explores the first person of the Trinity. Each week you will learn about an aspect of the Father, God of creation, of grace, of faithfulness, of worship. And most importantly, the words of the hymns you know and love will become more than just lyrics on a page, but a means to grow closer to God. We are so excited about what God will do with this project. 
There's no doubt in our minds that it's God who gave us this idea and God who gave us the ability to make hymns of the Father what it is. And it's for that reason I can confidently say that I think this will be an incredible project because it's not about what we did, it's about what he did. Thank you so much for checking out this project. We hope we can inspire you to explore the fullness of God through the hymns of the Father. Okay, so when we're talking about hymns in the church, it's always important, or any songs in the church, it's always important to know um, kind of what context you're you're coming from. So what is what is the context of your church? I know you mentioned you lead in two kind of separate congregations. So what do all of those contexts kind of look like? What are their differences? Yeah, my current worship leading situation is really strange. I'm actually not full-time anywhere currently, but okay. I'll kind of describe very different churches that I've been in. So. Um, we'll start with the original church I talked about where I was, I started Reawaken Hymns at. That was, that was a church plant 30 years ago. So I guess it would be an adolescent church, you could call it. Um, so that's where they started. And again, they were, when they started, they were contemporary, but obviously 30 years ago, contemporary music, which was very different. Yes. So, um, and there, and it was a very family oriented church. So there was Younger's and younger people, older people, lots of different ages. So okay. that was that was really good for hymns because yeah. there's nobody in the world that won't sing Amazing Grace. I mean, listen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I mean, that was a big reason for that. And then the next church I was at was the complete opposite. It was a church plant. My friend's a pastor, um, and he was starting this church plant in the city in the urban area, okay. and very young. I think he was the oldest person in the church, and he was a year older than me. So. That tells you the age range of that yeah. church. Um, but again, we did lots of hymns because it's not, uh, young people love hymns. I mean, I think yeah. that's a lot of people don't know that, but that's there. It's the divide that exists doesn't really exist as much as people think it exists. Yeah. And there tends there tends to be like a, a a boomer area of modern worship where it gets a little sketchy because yeah. that was the transition range and yes. opinions got weird. But um, a lot of the younger people I know love hymns. A lot of the older yeah. people I know love hymns. So, so yeah. yeah, that church, we were Reformed too. So Reformed people okay. love hymns. You know, yeah. Reformed people, okay. whatever. So we played okay. a lot of hymns. We played. So that church was interesting because the music was like, it was either written 200 years ago or yesterday. Like, yeah. there was no in between, yeah. <laughs> you know? I understand, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, then I moved to another church that was similar in demographic. And so now I'm leading at several different places, including a grade school, which my wife works at. Yeah. And then another church is one that is people that my mom grew up with. And the youngest person of that church who is at me is probably 65. Okay. So that's a very different age range. So, yeah. and it's great. I get to experience so yeah. many different things in churches. And again, that church, they love new songs. They love old songs. I've yet to come across the situation where if a song is not a good worship song, people won't like it. Like, I think that ends up being the biggest thing is it's not that we're playing modern songs. It's not that we're playing old songs. It's that we're playing bad songs. Like, that's where the rub comes in. Like, I'll introduce these new worship songs to this 65-plus congregation, and I tend to 
be very careful about words so they're hymns that right. have very deep meanings and they love them it's great they because it's they're not I mean, they're very nice people, so I don't. You might have rougher people in your congregation, but they don't. They're not. They're not into the whole worship words thing. They just want good, like worship words. They want good yeah. lyrical content. And the same thing with younger people. Like they don't care if it was written two hundred years ago. If the words are great, like. So yeah. I will say I've been in lots of varying contexts, and I've haven't yet come across the situation. I shouldn't say never, but rarely come across the situation where the style of the music is actually the problem as much as the content of the music. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I've been doing it for a, a while, a little while. And um, it's usually ne- the argument is usually never, Oh, well, you only, you know, you did three hymns in one contemporary or, or the opposite. It's a lot of the times it's, it's man, you know, that, that may not, that really wasn't that good. <laughs> you know, like if it really just sounded bad, you know, like you get, you know, you, you, and I, and I think maybe if we just kind of stop talking about the the this or that, I think we'll find there's really we, we just want good quality, rich music. So with that thought, just a simple question um, for you is why hymns? That is a question I get asked a lot, and I yeah. still don't have a good answer for. It. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I I don't have a I. For some reason, since I have a hymn channel and i do a hymn thing yeah a lot of people assume that i only like hymns and i don't yeah. like modern worship music yeah. i don't know why that happens but it does yeah. um but the truth is that the only reason i would say why hymns is because there's lots of good ones yeah. and i have the same answer for why modern worship music because yeah. there's lots of good ones and i also don't think that i think in the whole worship wars thing that happened probably 20 30 years ago things got really weird and opinions formed that didn't need to be formed. And if you look like at other areas of art, like I don't walk through a museum and look at a Van Gogh and say, that's terrible because it was made 200 years ago. Like, yeah, there's, I just look at it because it's a painting and it could be good. It could be bad. It doesn't matter when it was made. I think we got to look at music in kind of the same way. Like, Let's not let's not look at when it was written. Let's look at the song itself and just judge it solely based on that. So the reason why hymns for me is because there's still lots of good ones that I don't think should get thrown away and can provide a lot of really deep theology and worship for your church. Yeah, and that and that's so good because you know it's it's we look at it as kind of like a, I, don't, I don't even know how we look at it. Maybe like a, a hill that goes up and down of you know here's your here's your hymns and then. We have our temporary, and then we're back down to hymns. But really, truly, it's just one—it's just one long line of of worship music being written, depending on the style and time that we're in. Um, and that art analogy is perfect. You know, we we do, we don't look at everything else and go, "Oh wow," you know. Like I don't look at my grandmother's chocolate cake and just because it's older, go, "That's not going to be good," even though I have a you know like a brand new cake, or whatever, sitting right there. You know, you just don't do that. And so and. Yeah, and so that's a good good way of looking at it. So, why hymns is is an answer question for all of us. And I do like that you mentioned you know you're not just hymns. I mean, I, I think it's almost impossible to be just hymns because when when does it at what time does it not become a hymn and it become a contemporary? You know, and that that's always a tough question. I think of a song like Living Hope, you know, by Phil Witham. You know, technically, how it's written is is a hymn. We have. First course, first course, first course. 
but we do have that divide. So if there is that divide, the next question is after why hymns is how hymns. So how, in other words, do you incorporate hymns for everyone to not just enjoy, but to truly get the most out of them? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think start with the the why of why you're adding them. Okay. Um, like if you're adding it solely because the words are good and not because there's people in your congregation that know it already, then I don't think there's any problem with using whatever version and using, you could use a change version that's very modern. Um, but I think a lot of churches are using hymns not only because the lyrics are great, but because they provide kind of a bridge for the older um, people in their congregation, which is great to do. And so if you're doing that, but then you're playing completely different versions, then there's no bridge like you've, cause they don't, it's a different song to them. Yeah, right. And so I think that's, that's why I do what I do currently. It's, um, so I would say start with that. Start with thinking, okay, why are we including this song? Is it just because of lyrical content, or are we also hoping to get you know participation by people who yeah. maybe feel left out by the modern stuff? Yeah. Um, and then I would say, <sighs> it's very hard to. I know I do this, but it's very hard to tell people how to modernize hymns because it's almost not like musical choices it's like philosophical choices um so like uh, because i'll just do it with an acoustic and i don't really change the chords i don't really change the melody i don't really change the rhythm i don't change the words i'm just singing it like a modern worship song like because it is that to me a lot of times and it ends up sounding just like all the other songs but i will tell you from modernizing the hymns for a more full band thing like i am doing now it can get really tricky because there are musical consideration in hymns that do not exist very often in modern songs one of which which constantly knows me is um modulations key modulations hymns love to like go to like the fifth for like half of a line and then go back to the root like you know like they Like you're playing in G and all of a sudden there's like an ADA. Oh, what happened? And then you're back in G again. (laughs) So those are, those are fine. But what happens is you're like using ambient pads. And so then for a half of a measure, your pads are in the wrong key. Yeah. Yeah. So those can get tricky. And I've learned that a lot of times you can actually take those out without changing the song very much. Occasionally you can't, but sometimes you can. So if there is modulations and stuff and you can still fit the melody over like a non-modulated chord progression do it like that'll make your life a bit easier and it's not going to change anything yeah um and then also i was doing what was i just doing i am thine so i just recorded the hymn i am thine for hymns of the spirit so i'm already on the third album okay and i came across my first uh fermata is that how you pronounce it do you know what i'm talking about i'm not sure it's the little bird's eye over the okay okay. i I had to look it up because i was like i think i know what that means i looked it up i'm like yeah that means hold the note for as long as you want to Okay. Like that's what the notation means, and that's what happens in the hymn. So I'm like, how am I going to make a multi-track where one of the measures is just eh, as long as you want? Like, <laughs> so in your experience, what have you found? What do you typically have to do? Do you, do you have you have you been more on? I have this contemporary congregation that I want to introduce hymns to, 
or has it been more of I have this more traditional congregation that I want to play hymns in a more contemporary way? What what situation do you find yourself in most often? Um, I find myself in the opposite of what I thought I would find myself in. So what I assume is I'm in a modern congregation and I'm adding hymns because there's some, so like a lot of churches changed from traditional to modern and a lot of the older congregation are awesome people. And they're like, yeah, let's do this. That's fine. But they still kind of feel left out because they can't sing the songs, which, you know, is not their fault. So sometimes that's a lot of the time I'll be like, well, let's add some old hymns because they're awesome and everybody can sing them. Like, let's do it. That's the situation I find myself in at churches. And what I assumed most like comments I would get would be, would be like older people saying, oh, I'm glad we play these in worship uh, all the time. I get what I get more often, like comments on my channel and stuff is younger people saying, oh, I didn't know this song existed, or oh, I didn't know this was a hymn, or oh, I'm so glad this exists. Like, actually, like, young people discovering hymns, which is really cool. So for me, it's been both, and both situations are great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and and I I think so, too, and and I think some of that has to do with, like, knowing knowing what your church sounds like, you know, I mean, it could, you know, a brand new song could almost sound the same as, as your hymn, depending on your you know, the sound of your congregation. Like I said, you may have a church where the youngest one's 70. Well, that's going to sound a lot different, you know, and, and you're going to, you're going to tackle that a little differently. Um, let's see. So we've kind of talked about the why we've talked about, you know, what, what, what's your normal situation um, for the, for the average worship leader, who's really in a, in a spot where um, they're, they're, they're pulling some, you know, they're, they're going week after week on planning center or whatever. And they're and they're trying to pull in songs and they never really thought about bringing hymns into, into the, the, the context of their worship. Um, what are some steps they should take maybe to introduce that thought? Um, whether it be to a younger congregation or maybe it be to a more traditional congregation, kind of how, how should they go about that process? Besides going on reawakenhymns.com and, yeah, yeah, do that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good step. So I would, I think an important part that maybe some people miss is it's, it starts with you. Like, I think a, a lot of times when you see a hymn in a service, like a modern service, and it sounds unnatural, I get the sense that the worship leader doesn't really want to be playing it, <laughs> you know, and like, very, yeah, very true. I think that is a huge issue. And sometimes it'll be like, they just are trying to do this, but they don't like the song. Sometimes it'll be the pastor request, the dreaded pastor request. By the way, lead pastors, please hire worship leaders you trust to pick out songs and don't pick out songs for them every week. Just just a tip, just a tip. Um, you can always talk to them, and that's fine. I'm not saying that. But if you get in a situation where you're picking out the songs, then you need to have a bigger discussion. Anyways, tangent, sorry. So if you're a worship leader and you want to introduce hymns, introduce hymns you like. Like, please first introduce him as you like, because no matter how hard you try, if you're standing up there singing a song that you don't want to be singing, it's going to come off that way. Like, and I'm not saying you have to be into like worship. Like I'm, I'm all about being honest with yourself. And sometimes we don't feel worship and we still have to leave yeah. worship because we're serving a congregation and that's fine. But don't like pick out a song and know you're not going to like that song and then play that song on Sunday and be unhappy you're playing that song. Like get to know the song, make it a version you like, get to know the words. And if after you've done all that, if you still don't like the song, then maybe there's something wrong with it and you shouldn't be playing it. Or if 
if it really comes down to it and it's a great song, it's got great words, you really should be playing it, you still can't get into it, um, find somebody who can. Like, that's okay. Like, it's great to pull in other people who like that. Like, just, I would say the biggest step is don't just be begrudgingly playing hymns in service because it's something you need to do. That was what tore the blended service apart is it was a bunch of people playing songs they didn't want to play, but their pastor was making them play two of. Like, yeah. you <laughs> so know, that's... that one is there. You, you can sense it. You sense yeah. the, the flow stops or, or the whole yeah. service stops and somebody else gets up to leave the actual... <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah okay so um introduce hymns you like yeah Sorry. or or introduce hymns that are good and get to like them before you play them is another way to say that like you don't have to like them from the start but get to like sit with them like i, I don't play any songs in my service that i haven't gone over the words over and over again played through thought about like and oftentimes if you sit with these hymns that maybe have a bad baggage with you like maybe you heard him in church done a bad way or the words were a bad memory whatever if you have these baggage like sit down try to have a blank slate read the words a bunch kind of look into the words what are they saying what do they mean and like get used to it and i think you'll probably start liking it if it's a decently written hymn you'll probably actually start to like the hymn okay so what about maybe okay so you've gotten past that point you've got to this is what we're going to do but then you're you're staring at like a i mean basically a, a composed piece of music that is well beyond your four chords that you know on guitar. Um, Kelly, we were talking about earlier, you know, how do you handle not being so intimidated by a song that maybe you want to strip back some? Sure. Well, this is not self-promotion. I just happened to do this exact thing. So yes, yeah. go to my website. Cause that's literally yep. what I do. Yep. I try to make them into guitar chords. So that's a huge first step. But if you're doing one, and you, you hate me or you just, I haven't done it yet or whatever the situation may be. You, you don't have internet. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I would say it depends on your skill level with music, depending on what you can do, what I do. And if you're familiar with chord functions and can hear chord functions and such, um, I would say put away the sheet music for a second yeah. um, and grab a guitar and just try to figure out the hymn by itself without looking at the sheet music and you'll start to hear which chords matter and which chords don't because hymns were written in four parts they're written so that's homorhythmically and there's a chord there's a chord on every beat because there's four parts and that's how they're written but you should not be playing a chord on every beat and you don't need to because some of those chords and some of those notes are passing and some of them are functional and so usually you can play through them sit down and finally you'll figure out that you know Really, it's just like a modern song. There's a one, a four, and a five, and a six sometimes, and not a lot of else is necessary. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you'll find there's also a three and a two and an eight, or not eight. <laughs> yeah. A three and a two and a seven that are also necessary. If you find an eight, you've gone too far because <laughs> that doesn't exist. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what I would say. If you have that ability, do that. I know some people don't have that ability to hear that. They might be new at guitar. They just haven't um, done that before. And in that case, I would urge you to find resources like mine online that can give you a starting point and then you can change it to your heart's desire. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just think about, you know, a guy who maybe could be fresh into it, who, you know, they really got inspired to do or called to do worship ministry, you know, and, and through the songs they listen to. And then it, most of the time, you know, your first worship job is, is, is at a smaller church, you know, where the congregation may be older and then this is, this is how they worship. So, you know, how do you serve that group? And, and just, when you're given a red book, you know, with all the songs in it with notes that you may not know, 
you know, and, and kind of where do you, where do you go from there? But, um, all right, just something real practical, um, really from a worship leader standpoint. Um, so with, with going there, you sat down, you, you kind of learned to play it. Um, how do you go about maybe kind of more on the, on the technical side of even something as simple as taking your resources and, and teaching them to your congregation? So you, you know this hymn as what you've known it as, as maybe an electric organ on the side and a piano over here. How, how can you incorporate this kind of newer, more contemporary way of, of doing it with maybe your band, your choir, or your congregation? I know that's a very broad question, but it, it's one of those awkward situations you find yourself in, in, in the context of worship, like you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I've never had much trouble with the uh, introducing modernized versions of hymns. Okay. Um, I mean, my style of not really joining them might play into that. I think they're... How do I say this? So if you get good at keeping the core of the hymn, the core, and the same, then there's not going to be, like, an issue with it. Like, I I mean, I could, I don't want to say I, people could get up there and play, say, uh, Nothing But The Blood with full band, electric guitars, drums, synthesizers, all that stuff, and it still be completely singable to somebody who's 80 years old and has never heard it not on an organ without much thought like you just have to kind of find that core of the hymn and if it's your goal leave it like that um i think a lot of the times people see modern worship music as like kind of rhythmically loose yeah and so they apply that same thing to hymns so they're like holding out some notes longer and they think they're doing the same melody but they've ended up with like an entirely different melody that sounds like so get good at keeping that core melody as it is. Um, don't be moving around the rhythms a lot. Like you can loosen up the rhythm. Like you don't have to be nothing but the blood of Jesus. Like, but don't be like nothing but the blood of Jesus. Like you know, like sometimes you end up there, and then it gets a problem. Just I think in that transition time that we found ourselves, in, I think that was the problem. You know. It's, yep. Yep. You know, I mean, I remember going to my my grandmother's church, which was a bigger church, and um, kind of went to that went through the transition and the thing that everyone hated the most was it, it wasn't recognizable on either end you know it, it was impossible to sing in a contemporary way and it was unrecognizable to anybody who had ever heard it before. so yeah i think yeah. you're right it's keeping the main thing the main thing yeah it was it was the i i call it the gaither effect that's probably offensive <laughs> to some people but yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> No. It, it, you know, they just got into these big choiry performances of like, uh, what's the guy, Whitney Phelps or whatever, like this amazing singer and yeah. he's up in these revivals and he's leading these yeah. things and it looks great with the, it was like the, it was that version of Hillsong. Like it works yeah. great when there's 20,000 people in the room, but when yeah. it's you and eight other people in your church plant, like yeah. it, it doesn't work. <laughs> No, definitely, definitely. So keep the main thing the main thing. But yeah. man, I appreciate your time. I'll let you go. Um, if um, you have enjoyed this interview, and I would definitely encourage you to go check out Reawaken Hymns, um, just just to listen to the songs. Not as not even if you're not a worship leader, um, just to listen to these arrangements of these songs and, and sing along with them. Um, but also, I would definitely plug Minus Studios because it, it's it's helped me out um, a lot. But overall, Nathan, anything else you want to add? 
I don't think I do, no. Okay, good deal. Well, thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nathan. Um, I hope you were able to take away that we can all use steps, no matter what kind of church we're in. Um, if you're in a church that is more traditional and you want to maybe change the way your hymns sound, Reawaken Hymns is a great resource for that. If you're in more of a contemporary context in your church and you want to just learn how to implement hymns into your church, it's also a great resource for that too. So thank you so much for watching and be sure to check out Reawaken Hymns.